Welcome back to the FFP. It's time to get into our week 10 waiver wire pickups. It's going to be really straightforward. Um, I'm going to talk about a ton of players as we get further into the season. I don't know about you, Rob, but this is more for me. We're talking about players who are maybe, you know, we still want them to have value. So they're a little bit less available, but that means we're going to talk about a ton of them. And hopefully, you know, a couple of those guys will then be available for you. As always, use the comment section down below for any questions that you have and make sure to contextualize it based off of your league. This isn't just whether or not you're in PPR standard. You also need to know if you need a guy who's a long-term or a short-term option. And hey, maybe even if you're looking for a short-term option, you need a safe play or you need a risky play with high upside. There's a lot to consider, but as we get into it, remember that. Now, we wanted to try something a little bit different this week. We're recording this a little bit earlier. So, we haven't yet been able to do the research or finish or watch the end of the Titans game. Uh, we will be posting a YouTube short to update you guys on that information as well as the end of what happens on the Monday night football game. So we're going to talk about everything else in this video and then we'll add some short quick ones later on for you guys to hear about those. Um, Rob, do you want to say anything before we get into it? No, we're going to do our top five guys, and then after that, we'll do by position. The one thing I thought about, and here's why I love fantasy football, so that inevitably when my Minnesota Vikings disappoint me, I've got something to do on Sundays. Mm-hmm. I'm watching your, I'm looking at your sweatshirt there, and I'm thinking, uh, once again, this is not fantasy related, but has there ever been a team that's uh, three and five but could legitimately be eight? No. And mm-hmm. I'm talking about that in every game, they just break your heart. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Um, when it's all said and done, it's like, well, you know, at least we got fantasy to fall back on. So, nope, I got nothing to really say regarding that. Let's just get right into our top five guys and then break it down by a position. So for me, the number one guy, and uh, some of you may not be as excited about it, but the number one guy for me is Elijah Moore, wide receiver for the Jets. Mm-hmm. I like this guy. 74% available. Man, sometimes you're so close to making that great decision, you talk yourself out of it. And that was me Thursday night. I need a wide receiver in a PPR league, a dynasty league that I'm in. I uh, had some injuries, some buys, et cetera, and I just really want to lock in some stats there. And there are two guys available, Jameson Crowder available and Elijah Moore. Being a dynasty league, I like Elijah Moore long term, but I, I didn't need somebody great. I've got good starters that were just once again on by some injuries. I just needed solid points. And to me, Crowder was a safer play, so I played him. And then, of course, during the game, I was just kicking myself in the rear. Mm-hmm. This guy's getting better and better each week. He's a rookie, second-round pick. But he's not just a second-round pick. He's a second pick of the second round. So really, in reality, he's almost like a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Now, early in the season, he had some struggles due to some injuries, young quarterback play, et cetera. But we'll see him coming into form here. So last week, he goes out six catches, 67 yards. And then this week, seven catches, 84 yards, and two touchdowns. He's a legitimate wide receiver. He's talented. He's in a good situation. Now, I think he's got more value in Dynasty League because he's still young. And, and that, that offense has got some issues there. But here's why I like him and why I think you need to pick him up, other than his talent, et cetera. One, the Jets have a bad defense, league-worst defense going into Sunday, allowing 31.4 points per game. And what does that mean? Garbage time stats. Garbage time stats. They have to throw the ball a lot. Another thing I like lately is that Jets team, they got a lot of things they got to work out there, but they're playing more up-tempo on offense, doing mm-hmm. some different things. And you're seeing it. I mean, their, their, their first-round pick goes down, and then this guy steps in. Who's, who's, who's heard of this guy? Guy White looks really good. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out the second game, goes down there. He's looking good, but then he gets hurt. Josh Johnson comes in. He looks like an all-pro. And so they're doing things in that offense that are like up-tempo. They're falling behind. They have to throw the ball there. Yes, quarterback situation concerning, but they're looking his way. I do like this guy, Elijah Moore. I think he's going to have huge value in Dynasty, but certainly some value right now because of the situation he is in. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, no, huge upside there. And I love what you talk about. There's Dynasty value there, but there's also redraft value there. And we, we don't want you to think he's just a Dynasty guy. Um, he is really starting to take that over. And if you're the Jets, things are looking up. But what, what are you doing right now? What kind of season is this? It's a rebuild year. It's a rebuilding year. So you know what? They're going to just 
at any point, they're just going to, Jamison Crowder could fall off and not see any targets. The same could really go for Corey Davis. He is one of their youngest, most talented players. Him and Michael Carter are going to be seeing so much volume from now till the end of the season. Um, that alone, for me, gives a lot more confidence in their fantasy value as they continue to develop. All right. So our number two waiver wire pickup is Alec Collins, running back for Seattle. He's 57% available. I know what some of you are going to say right there as well. Chris Carson said he's, he wants to be back next week. But, you know, hold on for a second. Three, four weeks ago, we said it in a video, and I think, man, we were spot on. Mm-hmm. When it comes to neck injuries, they often linger. It's hard to heal neck injury in midseason. Often players will try to come back early. They re-injure, and they're having to shut it down for the year. Happened to Daniel Hunter last year. I could give you many examples of that. This is an injury that's got all sorts of question marks. And we said, like, three, four weeks ago, like, Al Collins could be their lead back for the rest of the year. Now, Pete Carroll, Coach Carroll, man, this guy is overly optimistic about everything, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to injuries. Mm-hmm. Guy could be, you know, decapitated in the field. He's like, I think he'll be ready to go next week. Like, that's how he is. Mm-hmm. But even he came out this week and suggested that Chris Carson might be up for the remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. So that's not good. Now, Carson did say he wants to be available for week 10, but the doctors and the coaches seem less optimistic. Mm-hmm. Now, Collins came out and he exploded. He had one week, 20 carries, 100 yards, and a touchdown. The last two weeks, he's been quiet. Some that's due to injuries. Playing less than 100%, although he had a bye week to get healthier. Now, I think that's going to help him is Russell Wilson's going to come back a lot earlier than expected. Now, mm-hmm. you look at Al Collins. This is a guy that when he played for Baltimore a couple years ago, this is a guy that had a good year, that he can carry the bulk of the load. He can be a lead back. He's not going to be spectacular, but very solid down the stretch, especially with so many of you right now struggling to find solid running back situations. You need to grab this guy because you just don't know the Chris Carson thing. Don't ignore him because of the hype. You know, people tend to do that. Another one that somebody dropped that I picked up in a league, and I'm loving it tonight, is James Conner. Yeah. Um, these guys that seem on the fringes, and you try to look ahead and think, yeah, he's not going to have long-term value. Like, it, never leave dead weight on your bench. And if there's a position that you want to have on your bench, extra just in case, it's got to be the running back position. And Alex Collins is one of those guys you got to consider. Yeah, no, opportunity is everything. And, and we kind of said it with Chris Carson before the season even started. Chris Carson, did we kind of said it before the year happened, like he doesn't even need to be a good running back. If you're the running back one for Seattle and Russell Wilson is charging down every single drive, getting you in the red zone, really doesn't matter. You're going to find touchdowns. And I know a lot of teams right now who are competing to get into the playoffs and win a championship who are desperate for another running back. Um, and Alex Collins really, you know, by position, you know, it seems like there's always some receivers out there. Running back is so thin for talent. He's a guy who could arguably number one, certainly doesn't have the upside though. And maybe that's kind of why we decided to bump him down into that number two. Yeah. You know, he, he does carry some question marks. Carson mm-hmm. could come back. Um, but here's why I like him. One, he's a running back and two, um, if Carson goes out, he's really the only guy there. We're going to get some other running backs in a little bit that mm-hmm. look like they have potential. Like we'll talk about the Philadelphia situation there yeah. with Scott, Howard, et cetera, what that looks like. But in almost all those positions or all those other situations, there's kind of multiple backs in play where this is the one situation. If Carson's out, El Collins is going to be your go-to guy. Well, it's got to be a coaching scheme thing. It's just something that Pete Carroll's really always been that way. Whoever is on the field stays on the field. And really nice to avoid running back by committee systems. But let's get into our number three. So our number three is not a guy necessarily, but a situation. We want to talk about the Tennessee Titans situation. Now, like you had mentioned, we're going to follow that up. One, it's great to hear injury reports tomorrow morning. Have Sunday night game. Monday, we'll do a quick kind of uh, early Tuesday video or late Monday night video. We'll talk about some things there. But we want to briefly touch on the Titans situation because I know a lot of people are looking to see what's going to happen there. You really got two guys that are in play right now. You got McNichols and you got Adrian Peterson. Uh, you look at McNichols, 22% available, and Peterson is 35% available. Um, these are some big shoes to fill, man. Derrick Henry is having a monster year. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the overreaction. You know, it's yeah, it's a plug and play, but you're not going to get the stats that Henry had. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about Adrian Peterson. 
He's 36 years old. The guy is a physical freak. He is. The guy's in great shape. He came in and after two practices, they activated this guy and they thought he was so good a shape, they're impressed by him. Mm -hmm. But one, he's 36. Okay. Compared to me at 50, in worldly terms, out there in life, 36 is young. But in football terms, it's old. It is old, especially if you're a running back. Mm -hmm. Okay. At some point, there has to be a regression there. I think he can come in, he can carry that. But nobody's going to take on Henry's production, and nor do I think the Titans expect them to. Mm. What they're going to come in is they want enough of the running game to keep teams honest. And everything you have to mix in there, you have Devonta Foreman there, I believe, has been called up from the squad. So yeah. um, here's what I think is going to happen there. You're going to see Adrian Peterson carrying a lot of those downs, first and second downs. McNichols will be your guy in passing situations. He's got solid hands there. I think Nichols, um, I just want to call him Nichols anyways, um, he's going to carry value in PPR leagues. I think that Peterson will have some value in standard leagues, but you still need to see how this plays out. Mm -hmm. You really do there. I think what's going to happen there, don't expect to get a ton of value from these backs in that situation. You'll have some value here and there. But I think Tannehill, let's not forget, this year he's a little quiet, but the last couple of years, he's been a very good quarterback. Mm -hmm. One of the top quarterbacks in the NFL and certainly solid in fantasy. Now you've got Brown and Jones getting healthier. I think what you're going to see in that offense is increased passing attempts and decrease in the run they'll run just enough to keep defenses honest so don't expect these guys to step in and get the numbers that uh derrick henry had he's a very special player in his prime yes adrian peterson is a hall of famer but he's not in his prime he's 36 years old so that's kind of my take but we're gonna give you a bigger breakdown after the game any thoughts there yeah no we had to talk about it we said at the beginning we'll do a breakdown tomorrow or the next day or whatever we'll give you some more information once we have more information but we want to kind of you know a few days to figure some things out there and to watch and to finish their game tonight. Um, but we had to talk about it because if we didn't mention it, inevitably somebody would still ask. You know, you know, I definitely begin to think things and wonder, hey, Adrian Peterson's a great system fit of all the running backs there. He's probably the closest runner to the style of Derrick Henry. Yep. Like, there's a lot to consider there. Um, hopefully you maybe a lot of people already did made the waiver claim to pick up Peterson and stash him for a week or to pick up McNichols and stash them for a week but be ready to change whatever plan that you have had because really this game is going to be a huge determining factor but let's move on to our number four and our top five pickups for the week so at number four, we bounce back to another wide receiver, the 49ers guy, Brandon Ayuk. Um, interesting situation here. He's a little hard to read, a little confusing. Yeah, so this guy, 41% available, former first-round pick, was a huge preseason pick in a lot of ways. People were taking him away. ahead had a Debo Samuels. Mm -hmm. Love this guy. I liked him last year, but he got in the doghouse. Two things, injuries and practice performance. And that was kind of a vague term there. What do you mean practice performance? He's being lazy, what's happening? But this week, we actually had a little indication what they meant by practice performance. And I didn't know this, but did you know that in practice, the 49ers, that their players, they wear chips, okay, microchips, that these digital devices basically monitor their practice, their practice speed, their effort, stuff like that. So you can see like how many miles per hour they're going on the drill, stuff like that. And they basically found that he wasn't giving 100%. Um, maybe you and I wouldn't notice it. Uh, maybe he's still making the catches. Everything looks fine. But the coach just know he was, wasn't quite having the practices that he needed to have, the output he needed to have. But things are turning upwards. Last week, he looked better. People are saying maybe it's back. Another thing, the coaches have made several comments lately that have been all positive. They've been public statements saying this guy's getting better. We're, you know, this is a guy that we saw last year. He's making progress. And then sure enough, today he goes out and he has a huge day. Um, I think he ended up with like eight catches, uh, you know, touchdown, quite a few yards. And this is a guy who's a former first-round pick. Mm -hmm. And so he's a very solid player. Now, the one downside of it is George Kittle came back, and, of course, Debo Samuel is solid there. So I don't think you can lean on him to be a wide receiver one. He's not going to be that. But from mm -hmm. week to week, I think he's going to start to become a wide receiver three play that you can start to trust more and more. He's a guy that's got a ton of upside. So anything you want to add to that? Yeah, no. Um, it's funny. Hopefully... 
you know, he finally learned his lesson that practice makes perfect. It feels like the Derrick Henry thing when he was finally told that you should run hard on every play. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. But hey, whatever. As long as it's tr- as long as it's working for him now. Well, it's funny how the game has changed. So I grew up playing sports, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I mean, obviously uh, the great athletes they they do harder to practice. But I'm not glad. There's sometimes in practice where. Man, I'm tired. I'm winded. And you notice the coach is not paying your attention, not looking your way. So maybe at the very end, you kind of let up on the gas a little bit. But today's athlete, apparently you can't because they got a microchip on you that later they're going to analyze it. I mean, that's crazy how far they go. Uh, But it makes sense. Talk about Mm -hmm. crazy metrics. Have any of you heard that before? But once again, that's what Coach Shannon came out and said. So Mm -hmm. I had no idea that they did that. I know they did that, you know, in game stuff. And that's how they track how fast they're going for next gen and all this stuff. But yeah, that's a little crazy. It feels like a tough work environment. It does. Yeah. So now I want to look at the number five. I'm going to talk about the field after running back position, but primarily Jordan Howard. He's 88% available. You have Scott there who's 37% available. But right now Sanders is out. He's on IR. Um, but even before he went on IR, he was disappointing. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that was struggling for whatever reason. They were hesitant to use him. Now I want to go to Jordan Howard because he's the guy that I'm really kind of keeping my eye on right now. First couple years in the league with the Bears, he was a very effective, solid running back. Mm-hmm. Now, he does lack quality in the passing game. He doesn't have great hands. So if you look at him as a play, he's much safer in standard leagues. Now, moving forward, what's going to happen? I think even when Sanders does come back, for whatever reason, they were hesitant. But they have found something with Jordan Howard. He's mm-hmm. run the ball very well. He went out there last week with them out. He had 12 carries, 57 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and he got 25% of snap share in that committee with Boston and Gainwell. But if you watch last week's game, Gainwell, a lot of his carries came in a blowout game that were late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used Howard in early downs and Scott in passing downs. And this week, they leaned even stronger and heavily on Howard early in that game there. And so I think he's a guy looking forward that's going to get a lot. Um, going back the first three years for the Bears, if you forgot or if you didn't know, he averaged first three seasons 1,123 rushing yards per season. So this is a guy that's big, strong, physical. He can handle 20, 25 carries per game. Mm-hmm. Today goes out, he has 17 carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Now, he can be game-scripted out if they fall behind, so that's one concern that I have there. But if you look at all these guys, the one concern I have with Scott, Scott's very similar type of player to Miles Sanders and Gainwell, mm-hmm. whereas Jordan Howard specifically, he's different. He's, mm-hmm. he's a bull. He's a guy who likes to run between the tackles. He's very physical. And so I think he could keep that role moving forward, even with Sanders coming back, that you could see how we're getting, you know, 12 to 15 carries every game, you know, 75 to 80 rushing yards, and maybe throwing a touchdown there. Love him in standard leagues, not as high on him in PPR leagues. Yeah, you know, and I'm happy we're talking about this in a waiver wire video. I don't know how you make the decision how to evaluate these guys in a start set. You know Jordan Howard is worth the pickup in waiver wire. Um, but I, again, I'm just happy we're not getting into the start sit stuff because that is, it's a messy situation. It's hard to evaluate. He's got more than enough value. You need to pick him up, stash him on your bench, see how he performs. Maybe he takes over that backfield. Maybe, you know, they continue to develop some things in this offense, gets more consistent, you know, and he's the next, you know, kind of like James Conner where he's not super efficient, but he's just scoring every week. But uh, again, uh, luckily we're not dealing with that right now. He is more than worth picking up and he's very highly available. All right, so let's get into the quarterbacks now. There's only a few guys to consider. I was just telling this to Rob. There was not a lot of fantasy value there out at quarterback. And, you know, it does, it's not anything to do with that there's not free agent talent. You said it. Even the big names are struggling. Like Pat Mahomes, who once felt like a safe bet for three or four touchdowns, he's had some off games. There are some other examples. This week was full of some crazy blowouts. Uh, can you think of any other ones? Yeah, a lot of crazy blowouts. I mean, uh, what Jaguars did was shocking. There's a lot of insane mm-hmm. things out there. Dallas getting pummeled. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that struggled out there is Josh Allen. 
Yeah. And so if you're a guy out there that picked a quarterback early, and by the way, if you followed our channel closely, you wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. But if you're foolish enough to do that, you got to be killing yourself mm-hmm. because there's other quarterbacks that you typically pick up, and it kills you when your first round pick, Josh Allen, is you know, laying an egg. But it was really a surprising week in the NFL. Allen had a bad week, and Mahomes had a bad week. Prescott, the Cowboys, man, they got just torched by the Broncos. That came out of left field. Um, so again, Here's a few options for you. Not huge on really anyone at this point, but one guy to consider is Carson Wentz. He is 40% available, and he's been playing a lot better lately. We've mentioned him in a few waiver wire videos in a row. But, you know, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Keep mentioning this guy. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. We said in the preseason that he was going to have a good year. We broke it down. We said, Philadelphia fans, you're going to regret letting him go on. Now, the first couple weeks, he struggled a little bit. People said, see, this is why they let him go. But I think the primary reason why he struggled in the preseason, he missed time with an injury. Mm -hmm. He was on a new team, a new players, new timing, new system, et cetera. You need that time, especially if you're a quarterback. Now we're seeing things are happening there. He's not just decent. He looks really good. Yeah. This is the guy that we looked a couple years ago that was an MVP candidate that looked really solid. So um, I like him. Mm -hmm. I think he's a guy that you could roll with, not just week to week, but moving forward every week week yeah absolutely here's the deal back-to-back games with three touchdowns six games straight with at least two touchdowns he is currently eighth in fantasy quarterback scoring this year but since week five over the last four games he's actually the number two fantasy quarterback Mm -hmm. in all of football Uh, he has been phenomenal his worst game in the last six games was 17 fantasy points He's looking great. And part of that comes down to the fact that Jonathan Taylor's getting stuff done in the ground game, keeping teams honest. He's got a he's a really good pass catching back when they need it. And now he has Michael Pittman, who has emerged as a very legitimate, very safe, uh, very solid possession wide receiver. He's got a big body, just so much to like there. Loving this uh, Colts offense. Yeah, which fantasy side out there pushed Carson Wentz? Who would be stupid enough to do that? We did. We did. We are stupid. You're right. Just stupid enough, it just might work. Um, Another guy to consider, I'll mention him briefly, is Ryan Tannehill. Again, recording this before the Titans game. He threw three touchdowns last week. You mentioned it. We don't know what we've got until we've seen this game, but... Again, heading into it, he might see a big boost in volume. He might see more throws and have more fantasy value. We're not saying the Titans are a better team without Derrick Henry. He'll probably throw more picks and they'll probably lose more games. But he's probably going to get more garbage time stats. He's probably going to throw the ball a lot more and see a ton more volume. He's had super low volume. In fact, last week he threw three touchdowns, but it wasn't even in his top three for most passing attempts on the year. He's always been a very efficient quarterback. We have short memories. Okay, mm-hmm. so back when Miami, he got drafted there and he had some struggles. Oh, we, back when he was Miami, we kind of broke down some metrics and he did good. And Miami mm-hmm. got Adam Gaste. Mm-hmm. That's what he is. Like, that's a saying. He got Adam Gase, right? Yeah. But, you know, how quickly forget in Tennessee? Year one, he goes out. He has a quarterback rating of 117. That year, we say he's going to win the job over Marcus Mariota. We were right. Mm-hmm. Then last year, goes out. He has a quarterback rating of 106, throws for 33 touchdown passes. And now this year, I think, overshadowed by uh, Derrick Henry. But this is a quarterback that can go out and win you games. Mm-hmm. He's got great weapons. In fact, Julio Jones and Brown, when they're healthy together, is there a better one-two in the league? I, I don't know. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of competitors, guys like, like Vikings and Jefferson and Adam, but man, A.J. Brown is just a monster. How do you defend that guy? Mm-hmm. He just, I don't, so love Ryan Tannehill. We'll see how this game goes. Maybe they lose their running back and he stinks, but we do have to mention it. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about one more quarterback. Again, not a ton of great options out there, but Matt Ryan is 45% available. Here's the deal. In three of the last four games, he has been top 12 in weekly fantasy finishes. In fact, he is the number two fantasy quarter fantasy scoring quarterback just a couple of weeks ago. He's got three 300-yard passing games. 
In fact, he has at least two touchdowns in seven of his last eight games, meaning he has a super safe floor. Patterson really stepped up last game. Russell Gage really stepped up. They clearly, they struggled in one game after they lost Calvin Ridley. They did. But they've clearly corrected for that. You know, it's really difficult in that first game. But they also threw a couple touchdowns to that Zacchaeus Olamide. They really worked those weapons in there. Matt Ryan has fantasy value. Again, he started off the season so bad that I think our perception on him has really been ruined. Yeah, so here's the thing. I want to go out. I'm just going to publicly admit this, you know. And I think, generally speaking, that we are right. I think you got to play the numbers. you got to put your emotion aside. But every once in a while, you have to also eat some crow. I'm going to eat some crow because I said that for the Falcons, it's a rebuilding year. Right now, they're 4-4. Four and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're playing really well. The other thing I said is Patterson, uh, it's not going to continue. You know what? I think it's going to. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be a legitimate weapon the rest of the year. I was wrong about that one. And of course, he's got Kyle Pitts, who's an all-world tight end. The guy's so phenomenal. So he's got some weapons there. Yeah. So that's the quarterbacks there for you. Not a ton of options. But hey... <laughs> You know what? With what we've seen from Josh Allen, what we've seen from Pat Mahomes and a lot of these other star quarterbacks, apparently you only need a touchdown or two to have a good week. Up next, guys, now we're getting into the running backs. And the first guy we got to talk about has to be Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, so 94% available for the Patriots. This guy looked great in the preseason. You actually had a, a, a man crush on him in the preseason, right? Mm-hmm, I did. If things didn't fall apart for my team, he'd still be on my team, but I had to get rid of him because uh, everything went wrong. Yeah, you had a million injuries, so... Um, now, what's happening is even early in the year, he didn't look all that great. The other thing, you know, if you play, if you make a mistake, you fumble, you don't pick up a block and uh, something like that, you get the dog. I was quit if you're playing for the Patriots there. Mm-hmm. But each week he's getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And this weekend he looked really good, good in the passing game. He looked explosive in the running game. He played better this week than Harris. So he's a guy you got to keep an eye on. He's young, looked good in the preseason. But I do want to caution you out there that even though you had a good week, I think he's somebody that you could put in your watch list or even a deep stash, especially in dynasty leagues. Harris is a good running back. In fact, Harris is a stud running back there, so that's still his team. Mm-hmm. But all you take is one injury, one fumble, or something like that happen, and you know, two, three weeks down the road, suddenly you've got a guy who's legitimate there. So keep an eye on him. Um, the other thing that we mentioned quite often, we'll give you a bunch of running backs there. You're going to say, well, which one should I go after? Well, it depends upon what your need. Mm-hmm. Are you PPR? Are you dynasty? Are you looking for a one-week fill-in, some more long-term? So send us a message in the comment section. We'll tell you what to grab. Mm-hmm. Next guy I want you to consider is A.J. Dillon. Running back for the um, Green Bay Packers, 35% available. Now, a lot of people just kind of viewed him as a handcuffed Aaron Jones. Um, but the last few weeks, he's kind of outperformed Aaron Jones some stretches. He's looking better and better. And you can see the you know the Packers really are trusting him and relying on him more and more. He's a guy that's got to be stashed on your bench. He's no longer just a, a handcuff for me there in case Jones goes down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so keep an eye on him. Uh, Carlos Hyde. Now, uh, you picked up uh, Josh Robinson. Uh, by the way, I like Josh Robinson. That guy's legit. James Robinson. Yeah. James Robinson. I would say wrong. James Robinson. I think going into next year, that coach has to seriously consider he should be your lead back. Mm-hmm. He does everything you ask him. He's very talented, very underrated. Um, so for me, Carlos Hyde's only a start if he's out. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a question whether or not he could play this week. I think he will be back next week, which means Hyde has no value. But even when Hyde does play, you also have to consider the fact that he's not as efficient, not as effective mm-hmm. as Robinson. But... He's getting carries. I think today he got over 20 carries, around 60 yards rushing. So if you're really desperate, if James Robinson sits one more week, Carlos Hyde's 65% available out there, you could grab him. Um, another situation out there, ah, this one is so tricky, is the Ravens running back situation. Mm-hmm. Um, people can't say they had so many injuries at running back, but all year long their, their number one running back has been healthy, which is Lamar Jackson. But after that, who's it going to be? And uh, early in the year, it looked like Williams, he started well, and then, of course, they went to Latavius Murray. The guy to me that's looking the best right now between Latavius Murray and, and Le'Veon Bell is Devontae Freeman. Mm-hmm. He's 81% available. He's been the most effective back overall, including Williams. 
his overall effect when you talk about running the ball and in the passing game. Now, the concern that I have is coaches seem to still love Latavius Murray, so when he comes back, whether that's his next week or the week after, um, you might be looking at three-way running back by committee. But Freeman looked good. 13 carries, 79 yards, 6.1 yards per carry, and a touchdown. He entered today with 5.5 yards per carry. And here's a running back that's always been good in passing situation. Now, unfortunately, Le'Veon Bell also had 11 carries today, and Murray should be back soon. Um, so to me, if you got to go after a guy, if you're really desperate, I like Freeman. But I honestly don't like any of these too much because uh, I do think that they've shown that they're going to go with the hot hand, whoever that ha- happens to be in that moment. So uh, Freeman's the guy that I like right now. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's one of those things. Injury clears that running back field up pretty well. I don't think statistically it's possible for them to have another injury at running back. But yeah, and he, he clearly was the number one running back last game from from what I saw, hopefully from what you saw. But we'll see how long that lasts, what happens with Murray in that entire situation. And as always, it's a waiver wire video. We're talking about picking them up, not trusting them to be started in your lineup. And there's a big difference between those two. I hear it happen all the time. And I think the big fantasy mistake that we hear is this. Why would I pick him up? I know he's never going to make my starting lineup. That's the big mistake that we hear. Yeah, as your lineup is now, without bye weeks, without injuries, without disappointments. Um, But three weeks from now, that could change, and he may not be on the waiver wire. Yeah, so that happened to me this week specifically because I have a, a bunch of quality running backs. A lot of them are on IR. They're injured. Um, and I look like I had two stars. I was going to go with Mixon, and I was going to go with uh, – I've got Montgomery on my bench, mm-hmm. and I was going to go with Herbert, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then I started getting nervous because they talk about Montgomery may play tomorrow night. It could be a timeshare. Uh, that concerns me. And the guy in our league uh, dropped Booker, running back for the Giants. He dropped him because he thought, well, Saquon Barkley, they're talking about him coming back. So I grabbed Booker, thinking I may not even need him. Well, sure enough – I felt more comfortable rolling with him, knowing he was going to get all the carries and not have to worry about that situation come Monday night with Montgomery versus Herbert. And sure enough, Booker went out and had a good game. I won, scored a lot of points. So, yeah, after this week, I'm going to drop the guy. But, man, I'll tell you what, for one week, I'll take it. Yeah. So a couple other things to consider out there. Um, If you are in PPR league, these are what I call PPR-specific plays. Two guys come to mind. They're very similar stats, styles of play. You would start as a flex play or as a running back, two in deep PPR leagues. That's Ty Johnson. 85% 85% available for the Jets. He's had three touchdowns the last four games. He's averaging 59 receiving yards over the last three games. He's had 16 catches during that stretch. And he plays on a team that has a terrible defense that's always playing from behind. And he's not afraid. They're not afraid to give him carries. He had one game earlier in the year where he had 12 carries in one game. He's had four consecutive weeks of double-digit points in PPR scoring. So Ty Johnson's a guy that you could play. And the other guy out there that's like that, once again, you're not going to start this guy in standard leagues. You're not going to play him as your number one back. But if you need like a flex play, that's McKissick, the running back for the Washington football team. Um, I'm getting used to saying that at some point. Don't say it. I know you're going to say don't say it. and so those guys to consider there. Another guy to keep an eye on that is also that uh, Patterson, mm-hmm. the running back. And a lot of that's contingent on Gibson, who's had that shin injury. He yeah. played through it. He did have a bye week, and it looks like he's going to play through it and be fine. But you always need to monitor because you never know. You never mm-hmm. know they might shut him down for the year. But right now it looks like Gibson's that guy. But if he shuts him down, Patterson will become your lead guy getting most of those early down carries. So those are a few guys right now that I think you need to consider out there. Leave a comment. We'll tell you of all the guys we listed who's the best pick for you. Yeah, no, when I think about all the value of all these guys right now, this applies to the wide receivers, the tight ends, the quarterbacks, everything. This, for me, is one of those reminders. You need to be active early season waiver wire because then you can get those, right, the Dalton Schultz that emerges or the Cordero Pattersons that emerge. And then when you need something, you have trade bait. At this point, I'd almost rather trade to fill a position than make a waiver wire move. 
there's options out there, but I don't know about you. Does that feel like maybe a more... I do, I do. You've had, you've had a rough year in fantasy. You really have. You've been nailed with injuries, bad plays here and there. Yeah. But you had one huge thing happen this year um, that uh, because I had a bad year, I want to take an opportunity to brag on this. Talking about trades, it brought it to mind. But uh, you had a trade. We're in a dynasty league. It's full PPR. Yeah. And uh, and you've always liked jo- or James Robinson. Yeah. You've always liked mm-hmm. him as a back. You yeah. felt like he's been underrated. Uh-huh. I don't think he's going to be moving forward. I think they finally saw how good he is. I think he's going to be their lead back going into next year. Uh-huh. So kind of want to break down that trade a little bit. Yeah, no, I get a trade offer. Hey, guys, like, hey, I'll give you a third rounder and James Robinson for Calvin Ridley. And this is like three or four days before Calvin Ridley says he doesn't, you know, he's stepping away from yeah. football. Um, funny enough, I don't know why I did it. I'm not usually this guy. We both said, yeah, I'll accept that trade. And then I thought, you know what? Let's counter it. I wanted a first in James Robinson. So I ended up getting a first rounder James Robinson for Calvin Ridley. And this is a keeper league where we keep five players. So it's essentially a sixth round pick. Now, even then, some guys like Cooper Cup and Najee Harris were there in the first round. So you see the value of a first round pick in that league. It was just absolute steal. First round pick and James Robinson. And then a couple of days later, Ridley uh, decides he's going to step away from football. So, hey, yeah. that was one good thing that's happened to yeah? you. Yeah, one good thing. It was. It's nice that I can sit on that. I'm going to enjoy that for the next eight months because it's the only good thing that's happened this year. So, Should we get to our wide receivers? Yeah, let's get into it. So I want to talk about our wide receivers. I'm going to look at three guys that are very similar. And these are three guys that are very similar to what I talked about. I talked about Ty Johnson. Guys that have very similar stats, style of play, and you're going to play specifically in PPR leagues. First one's Cole Beasley. Um, he's about 25% available. He does what you're going to do today. He's not got a lot of yards, but he had eight catches, 33 yards. That's very disappointing. No touchdowns. Um, and 33 yards is not good. But when you get eight catches, you know what? That's double-digit points. Mm-hmm. That's decent. Um, and so he's a guy to consider. Another one is Jameson Crowder. He's 76% available. He's had 28 catches in five games. That's 5.6 catches per game. He's another guy. He's not going to get you huge yardage. Probably not a lot of Renzo targets, but he's going to get you a lot of catches. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy that I like, and I actually like him more than two previous ones, Hunter Renfro. Yeah. I like him for the Raiders, 35% available there. He's a sure-handed slot receiver. And with rugs out, you're going to see a bump in some of that targets. Uh, today he went out and he had a good game for me. I had to put him in as a plug-and-play because of some guys that were out for me. And he had a good week. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of catches. Yards were decent, not great, but he had a touchdown. So I think that's a guy that Carr likes and he trusts him to throw his way quite often. Anything you want to comment on Beasley, Crowder, or Renfro? Yeah, no, Cole Beasley, one of those guys, huge PPR value. When Dawson Knox comes back, that PPR value will drop a little bit. So understand that there's a... Uh, uh, I guess an expiration date to the ceiling where then that's going to get bumped down. But even then, he'll still have value. Yeah. He like will. you said, injuries. injuries. There's a lot of injuries this year. And all it takes is one guy getting injured, going down, et cetera. And all of a sudden, you've got a guy who's legit. So you're right. I do have to agree with you on Hunter Renfro, though. Um, this is a guy who, and I actually I love this guy since he was drafted. And I'm almost wondering why he hasn't been used more. I think he is a really solid wide receiver one. And, yeah. and almost wonder if because they had rugs and because they had Waller and all those other weapons, that might have hurt him a little bit. So he's probably going to see, you know, like you said, probably will almost definitely continue to see that bump in, in production because of the uh, extra target or two here and there, which really makes a big difference. Yeah, a lot of people thought another guy that could get a lot of those targets and uh, catches would be Edwards. His numbers yeah. go up. But if I remember correctly, I don't think he had one catch today. Mm-hmm. So um, the guy there that I think is going to benefit the most is going to be Renfro. Uh, another situation to look at is the Giants. You got Kenny Galladay, forty-one percent available, and um, Kadarius Tooney or Tony, whatever you want to say. I've heard it two ways, but whatever. Thirty-three uh, percent available. Now they both disappointed today. They had only around a hundred passing yards. Um, they ran a bunch. They threw very short, conservative throws, mm-hmm. and I think there was a lot of game script going on there. 
But if you want to look at those guys' value moving forward, here's where I'd say Galladay, once Shepard comes back, Shepard's clearly their guy that they trust and look towards. I don't like Galladay moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to look at those three guys, the guy that I would go for probably simply because of upside is Kadarius. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that's very talented, very quick, very fast. Um, he's going to get more looks. I think he's going to become a great wide receiver. So he's a guy that even if you feel like you can't start as a wide receiver three, and I'm not sure that I would start him that right now, but you've got to have him on your bench. Yeah. We saw already what he can do, so I like him. And then let's look at the Arizona, uh, the Cardinals are, which, by the way, man, that was a game that the 49ers needed. Yeah. And it was set up for them to do well. I mean, you had um, MVP quarterbacks out. Kyler Murray's out. Yeah. And DeAndre Hopkins, his number one weapon, is out. Yeah. And they had a couple other injuries. And then, uh, yeah, then Edmonds goes out. Yeah. Um, what more do you need to win a football game? Well, apparently for Arizona, it doesn't matter who you plug in there because they made Colt McCoy look like uh, Joe Montana in this game. But that offense, man, it seems like whoever, you, whoever ends up playing there, they look great. Um, so you have to watch and see, does Murray come back? Is Hopkins missing another week? But you have Green, who missed today because of COVID. He's 52% available. And then there's Christian Kirk, 34% available. Now, the one concern I have is they all come back in the same week. They all devalue each other. Yeah. So you got to kind of sort that out. But um, it's typically unlikely that all these guys come back the same week. You know, usually one will come back. Maybe another one will sit one more week. We'll see. But monitor that. But if any one of those wide receivers sits, then the other wide receivers become very solid plays you have to look at. Another guy out there is the rookie wide receiver for the Ravens. I know you've always kind of enjoyed the Ravens, but uh, uh, you know who I'm referring to there, right? Yeah, Rashad Bateman. A huge, huge upside there. This is a wide receiver. You almost have to feel bad he landed for the Ravens because in a higher volume offense, he could be out there looking like a Jalen Waddle or some of those other guys who are producing really well this year. Yeah, he's 64% available there. You look at Brown, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, whatever you want to call him, is a, he's a speedster. He's going to stretch the fuse there, but he had an issue with drops. Mm-hmm. So they drafted Bateman, really be a possession receiver. He's really established himself as a reliable target for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson trusts him, looks his way, mm-hmm. takes out five, catches 52 yards. I think you're going to see those sort of lines moving forward. He is a little limited. His ceiling's a little bit lower because, like you said, the offense that he's in. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely a guy, and definitely a guy you need to grab in Dynasty. Yeah, I know, and he's... Again, that, that ceiling problem goes away if there is an injury. If suddenly Marquez Brown is out, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get 12 to 14 targets yeah. in a game. If this something happens to Mark Andrews. Or Mark Andrews or, yeah. or a lot of things there. Another guy out there to consider. Now, I'm not as hyped about him as many are, but that's Van Jefferson, wide receiver for the Rams, 68% available there. Yes, I know that Jackson left. Probably means a couple more targets. But I think to have consistent targets, you still have to remember that Woods is there, who's, by the way, been used more and more. His production's picked up. And then the guy, I mean, Mr. All-World. He, oh, by the way, here's another guy. That, the moment he came in the league, we pushed this guy so hard. We said his metrics are amazing. He's so underrated, and that's Cooper Cup. Yeah. So I like Van Jefferson. Like you said, he's an injury away from being a great wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Now, he does have upside. He's young. Um, he was drafted, I think, last year. I think it was second round, something like that. So he's a guy you have to keep an eye on in that high-octane offense. But I wouldn't trust playing him now, but I definitely think he's a guy you should put on your bench if you have space. Another guy to consider, Russell Gage. This one, I don't know what to think. 84% available. He came into the year, as a lot of people thought, a very solid guy that might fall into that wide receiver three or four range. Um, with Ridley out, though, he thought, okay, now he's going to have a huge bump. He was injured, missed some games. He came back, but then he had one game where he didn't even have a catch or a target. Um, but then today, he had a really solid day there. Now, you still have Pitts and Cordell Patterson there. So... Um, that kind of muddies the water. But I think Russell Gage, two out of the last three weeks, has been solid. Where do you kind of gauge him as far as 
considering as far as his value? You know, it's it's really difficult. It's hard to tell. I'm going to imagine that first game is the struggling offense, and you just don't know what it's going to look like, and you don't have time to prepare for what your team is going to look like in kind of that first game without Calvin Ridley. You get into the second game, that starts to be more realistic of what you're really going to see with them. Um, he also had two touchdowns went to the Zacchaeus Olamide guy. Um, that's not going to happen every week. And so when those two touchdowns go to Patterson, and then maybe the extra one, that second one goes to Russell Gage, I think people are kind of scared off from him right now. I think his value is going to pick up. And in a couple of weeks from now, if you do have him on your roster, you're probably going to look pretty smart. Yep. Um, now, the guy out there, okay, first of all, the Cleveland Browns, uh, now that Odell Beckham's gone, I mean, that offense is going to struggle. I don't think they can win any games or throw the ball at all. I mean, you know, you just hear about Baker Mayfield is just, he's really underrated. Yeah. And then they go out saying, what they do? They just crush Cincinnati and they look great. And one of the guys that look good out there that at times has flash and show potential is People Jones. Yeah. Wide receiver, there's 86% available there. Um, now, the concern that I have, you still have Jarvis Landry, and the real concern from my hat, I like this guy, but this is a run-first team. Mm-hmm. They are, especially when they get Hunt back. So it's a run-first team, but he's a guy you should definitely pick up and consider in deeper leagues. Definitely put him on your bench. A guy I want to actually talk you out of a little bit is Tim Patrick. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to say, man, another good game, and this guy's been good. But one, you know, Corlin Sutton is a solid guy there. And then they have Judy that's back. And Judy is their most talented wide receiver by far. Okay? Mm-hmm. I think that's not even something to negotiate there. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Patrick, he's only averaging 3.7 catches per game, and that was with a few games of Judy out there. Yeah. I tell you, he only had five targets, and that was with Noah Fant out. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy that, once again, can have value. I suppose you could put him on your bench, but I would be afraid to start him as a wide receiver three because I just need to see more consistent targets to trust him. Well, here's the problem. <laughs> They have the second fewest points per game allowed. They're a good defense. They're a low-volume offense. They have no problem kicking field goals. They don't care if they're going to kick field goals. Um, They have a very conservative quarterback. You've got two receivers ahead of him, a tight end who's ahead of him for targets. Oh, yeah, and then there are two running backs who together are going to run for 150-plus yards every game, and they're going to go out and get a couple of their own catches. It's just there is no way it's like... It's just too many mouths to feed in that offense to the point where even I love Judy, but I just don't know what his ceiling is right now with everything going on there. Yeah. And I think another thing that hurts on that, you know, you hate to say this, but Denver's defense is very underrated. Their defense is very mm-hmm. good, which means they don't get a lot of high-scoring games. So yeah. um, uh, just somebody you need to kind of keep an eye on. I would kind of bring down that value a little bit. Well, funny enough, uh, it, was, it was interesting that they traded away Von Miller, and you know what? They looked just fine without him. Yeah, they did. So I think that's it for wide receivers. Once again, leave a comment there. And now we're going to move on to, I think you have tight ends. Yep. All right. Now getting into the tight ends, there is no one tight end that really stands out. So I'm going to give you a ton of guys who aren't highly available. But if I give you six or seven guys who are 15 to 25% available, one of them will be out there for you. And they're actually going to have value. You know, sometimes there's a reason the guy is 99% available, and it's sometimes because they suck. So we'll get into it. The first guy, and we just talked about Denver. Let's start off with Noah Fant. It's 17% available. It's not highly available, but he was seventh in fantasy points amongst tight ends through the first eight games. He did miss last game, but it wasn't an injury. It wasn't mental health issues. It was just COVID. And you know what? He's going to be fine. He's going to be back. Um, And it was just the COVID protocol that held him out. And I think after next week, he's going to be even lower available. I think he's got huge upside going against the Eagles. Eagles give up the fourth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. 
In fact, the last three games, the Eagles have allowed 20 catches for almost 200 yards to opposing tight ends. So there's huge upside there from Noah Fant. Really, the downside is that he disappears some games. He has some really bad fantasy games. But, hey, when you're picking up a tight end in Week 9 or Week 10 or whatever, you know, off the waiver wire, for him to have big games, and if you can hopefully predict those games based off a of matchup, that's really all you can ask for. You look at Noah Fant, you forget, this guy's a former first-round pick. Mm-hmm. He's been in the league three years, so he's still really young. But when you talk about tight end development, that mm-hmm. first year is almost like you don't even consider that. Yeah. A lot of the great tight ends were very quiet their first year there. In fact, his first year was pretty good, 562 yards. So this is a guy that's got potential. I like him. So Yeah. Another option there is Dalton Schultz. He's 15% available. Fourth in fantasy points among tight ends. Um, now, he hasn't scored since week four, but he has still regularly been a top eight fantasy tight end based off of volume. He's a PPR stud, and when those touchdowns do come back, as we know they come and they go and they're unreliable, he's going to be huge. Again, he's not highly available, but I'm going to continue to name some guys, and eventually one of them will be out there. That being said, 15% does feel kind of high for a tight end who is number four in fantasy points, who's right up there with Kelsey and Waller and all those other guys. That does seem pretty high. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I were in a league, any leagues that I'm in, he's going to be owned in. Because if somebody drops him, I am picking up. There's no way that I'm going to let him sit on waivers. But um, Dawson Knox is 32% available. He's been out for a couple of weeks as he uh, he broke his hand and had surgery. But he is going to be back in the next couple of weeks. And when he does, he has huge fantasy value. Now, he is low on the fantasy points on the season list. But he's actually fourth in the fantasy points per game. He's averaging huge numbers. In fact, he has five touchdowns in a five-game span. In those games, he was the number two fantasy tight end. He's got monstrous upside. And in fact, he was so good that he basically made Cole Beasley fantasy irrelevant for a few weeks there because he was the safety blanket. He was the reliable option. Um, So when he comes back, he's going to be right up there with Schultz and Kelsey and Waller as a stud, reliable tight end. Maybe a little bit touchdown dependent, but you know if that's his only problem, I can't really fault him to be honest with you because there's not a lot out there. Yeah, we talked about the the struggles that Josh Allen had today in that offense. I mean, that team is good, but they've had some struggles the last couple of weeks. I wonder how much of that is the absence of their tight end. I wonder mm-hmm. how much that's going to help them once he comes back. Yeah, for sure. And you know, maybe that's something else to consider about about just how good he might be. Uh, and a lot of tight ends are touchdown dependent. So is our next guy, Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is 21% available, and all of his value is from touchdowns. He has five touchdowns in the last six games. In fact, since expanding his role in week four, he is seventh in tight end uh, scoring. Again, highly touchdown dependent, but what are you going to ask for at this point? He's not you know, this huge stud who's going to rack up tons of yards. But he's been one of those key pieces that has helped Mac Jones and this Patriots offense really develop. They're starting to look like a playoff contender, which is you really would not have guessed that a while ago, you know, coming out week one or week two. Isn't it weird to think that it's a knock when you consider somebody who's touchdown dependent? Um, and there was a wide receiver years ago, and you guys probably know, Buddy Ryan came out and basically cut this wide receiver because he said all he does is catch touchdowns. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who that was? Chris Carter. Chris Carter. Um, yeah, well, first of all, he does more than catch touchdowns. But if that was it, I mean, is that really a bad thing? Yeah. So another tight end, 14% available, Zach Ertz. Um, last game, not even going to talk about it. Kyler Murray's out. Hopkins is out. Um, right? We're not going to be seeing that for the rest of the year. So I just want to focus on the three games that he has played with the Cardinals with Murray in the backfield. He scored in two out of those three games, and he was the tight end number four since being added to the Cardinals offense. Very, very productive, a very reliable piece to that offense. 
Um, and, you know, they've had some banged up injuries to those wide receivers. So there's some definitely value there. Um, now, some more highly available guys. Tyler Conklin, 72% available. He's actually a pretty solid PPR option. He has 14 targets and 10 catches and averaging 58 yards over his last two games. He's been very productive. Now he plays the Chargers, giving up the third most fantasy points to tight ends. In fact, they're the team that allowed David Njoku to go 7 for 7, 149 yards and a touchdown. That shows you how vulnerable they are to tight ends. If you need a kind of spot start this week, I might look for Conklin as a, as a kind of a high gamble, but it might be worth it. It might pay off. Um, also, Dan Arnold, 17 targets, 12 catches over the last two games. He's averaging 64 yards over those games. In fact, in week eight, he was the number two fantasy tight end. He is a really key piece to that Jaguars offense. You can tell that Trevor Lawrence sees him as his safest and most reliable option, and that is going to continue his production. Um, Rob, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, there's one tight end. I don't know if you have any. Do you have Evan Ingram on there? You know, I thought about Evan Ingram. I didn't end up putting him on here, but I probably should have. He has scored in back-to-back weeks. He's a guy that's so confusing. He came in the league, actually had a pretty good rookie year. He's brought in as a guy who's more of a hybrid tight end, mm-hmm. almost more of a wide receiver. And mm-hmm. there are times where the guy looks like he's going to be a legitimate all-pro, and then he just disappears. Today, the guy had a phenomenal touchdown catch. Mm-hmm. Um, he carries upside, but he also carries so many question marks. So, well. Um, there's two reasons that I bumped him down. You mentioned one of them. One was the only threw for barely over 100 yards. Yes. That's just hard to take any pass-catching guy in an offense that's doing that. And then two being the injuries to receivers. My concern is yes. you know, his value only lasts until those guys get healthy. Yep. Um, but you are right. What he's looked like the last few games has been very good, not like the disappointment we have gotten used to. Yeah. So if some of those guys happen to not be available that you mentioned, maybe that's one more name. Um, but you got to think that somebody that you mentioned is going to be available there. Yeah, no, there's a reason we mentioned so many of those guys. All right, getting into the kickers. They're not fun. They're not exciting. We'll go through it uh, quickly. But if you've watched our channel before and you've watched the waiver wire before, you know what I'm about to do. I'm about to give you a list of like 15 good options because apparently people just draft a kicker and then they don't make waiver claims the rest of the year and they just stick with whoever they have. Um, Nick Folk is 22% available. He's number one in kicker scoring on a team that has a great defense, a good enough offense, and a coach that loves to kick field goals. Perfect guy right there. Greg Joseph is 68% available and he is number four in kicker scoring in a very good offense. Matt Prater is 18% available. He is number five in scoring, a very safe play from week to week. Graham Gano is the opposite. He is 73% available and number six in scoring. He's got some bad weeks, but he also has some monster performances there. Randy Bullock is 81% available. He is seventh in kicker scoring. In fact, he has 11 plus points in three of the last four games. He is really trending upward. Uh, but the list doesn't end there. It just goes on and on and on. Zane Gonzalez has value, Daniel Carlson, Evan McPherson. There is a super long list of kicker options that are out there for you. There's a reason we're not going to go in-depth on them, one of them being it's boring, but really two being take your pick. You have tons of options out there. If you are making a move for a kicker, you shouldn't be worried about it. So really that simple. I got nothing to say to the kickers except that kickers matter. Mm-hmm. I have won and lost games by a couple points here and there. So I know that it's not fun, exciting, but you know what? I've won games where my wide receivers and running backs didn't do much, but my quarterback had a good game, my kicker, my defense, and that put me over the edge. So kickers do matter. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. Someone said to me at church, Mike, said, I lost by point one point. 
How disappointing is that? And he's like, look at my roster. I made all the right starts. The right running backs were in, the right receivers were in. He's like, there's nothing I could have done. I looked at his kicker and his kicker at like three points this week. And I there thought, you go. there you go. That's what you could have done. I didn't say it to him. But, you know, it's so funny how we just ignore the position. Yep. Uh, let's move on to our defenses, though. Very similar situation. All right, getting into the defenses. Very similar to the kickers. Um, what about number two in fantasy scoring, the Cardinals defense? They're 24% available. They are second in the NFL with eight forced fumbles. They're a surprisingly physical defense, and they put up a ton of points on the 49ers without their starting quarterback, without their top receiver, without one of their running backs, banged up across the board. And you know, we've said it before, one of the greatest producers of a good fantasy defense is a good offense, and that is exactly what the Cardinals have. They're basically out there for one in four of you. They're a great option. The Saints are 14% available in their third in fantasy defensive scoring. They have three games with 15 or more points. They're tied for second with 11 interceptions, and they're allowing just 73 rushing yards a game. I believe that's fewest in the NFL. They're a really stout defense right now. The Colts are 10% available. They're number four in scoring. They lead the NFL in takeaways. They're allowing just four yards per carry. They're a good defense. Now, you've said it. You, you started them the one week that they didn't have a good fantasy week, um, and so they've had some kind of ups and downs. But this team as a whole is figuring themselves out. It's really fun watching and honestly kind of rooting for the Colts lately. Other options are the Broncos, 53% available. They looked fine without Von Miller this week. They've given up the second fewest fantasy points per game. In fact, to get this, last game versus the Cowboys, they had they held Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Ezekiel Elliott for a combined rushing and receiving total of 136 yards. Well, that's because Cooper Rush was starting at quarterback, right? Nope. What? Dak Prescott was Dak back. Dak Prescott. Like, you would think that's what it was, right? But no, it was Dak Prescott. What's funny, you should joke about that. I actually thought that. I thought, man, they stunk. And I'm like, well, it was Cooper. I'm like, I should check that. And I checked, and I was like, oh, wow. Um, I don't even know what to say right now. Denver, seriously, seriously underrated defense. I, uh, you got to love what they're doing there. Um, and ultimately, they're fifth in defensive scoring. 20% available are the Buccaneers. They're the toughest run defense in the league. They're allowing just 3.9 yards per carry. The Patriots, they're 11% available. Their last three games, they have been on fire over that span. They have, you know, put up 10, 11, 20 points against some really good teams. Or what about the Titans? They've been really good the last couple of games. The Eagles and the Vikings, there's tons of options. Again, uh, just one of those things where people are not paying enough attention to it, but you've got picks to take. One of them I actually really like is the Titans. That defense has really turned some things around lately. Once again, we love having you guys join us. Thank you so much. Here's what you can do to do us a favor. Mm -hmm. uh, subscribe, like, share the videos, you name it. And even more than that, make a comment. We'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, opinions. Um, we'd love to dial down deeper on some of the questions that you might have. There's only so much you can cover in a video. Mm -hmm. uh, once again, thanks so much for joining us. From all of us at FPP, God bless and take care.